0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful
1: throw by the Baker. Big job. Hasta la vista, baby. Touchdown.
0: Hi, guys. Welcome in. We are live on a Wednesday night. Now, I think it's Wednesday. And we are going to have a discussion on. Uh, as, as I always say, this is a tough time of year, but Pro Football Focus is putting out some some rankings that I think are at least discussion worthy as we head into 2021. And when you hit the May, June, July stretch of content problems, this is like this is like finding a piece of gold to talk about something something relatively original. So I'm excited for that. We have, uh, as a reminder, some some great guests that have come on recently. We had Thor. Nystrom from from NBC Sports who came on yesterday. It was just an audio pod, could not could not jump on live stream. So check that one out if you can. It is just on the OBR film Breakdown podcast feed. He does fantastic work and uh, I wanted to make sure that we talked to him and, and and a reminder too to check out the OBR weekly show, which airs every Tuesday night. Uh, Barry Fred and Lane do a great job with that. as I am taking over if you're an OBR loyalist, the newswire as Barry has gone on vacation. I have taken over that for the next week or so while he is enjoying the sunny weather in the beaches of, I think, North Carolina. Maybe. Maybe he went to South Carolina. I'm not sure. One of the Carolinas. Anyway, uh, we are going to welcome on tonight's guest, who I'm excited about, at Breezy Klee uh, on Twitter. You guys know Bree. She's, she's a fantastic voice. Uh, she's a co-host of That's What Be Said, uh, co-founder of Girl Gang Klee. Bree, how are you? Hey, Jake. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We are going to have a discussion on some rankings, and I think you're. Uh, I think I think you're going to have some interesting opinions on this. So I'm curious. We'll start with quarterback. Uh, if you have yeah. not read Pro Football Focus, does great data metric stuff. There's some things that are I'm not the hugest fan of in the world. Some of their <laughs> some of their coverage metrics I'm not all too keen on, but I do think their quarterback stuff is particularly good. And then and then we'll talk about the two other positions too. But Baker Mayfield comes in at ten. I've kind of been collecting opinions on this. Josh Allen is six, Mm -hmm. uh, Dak Prescott seven, Lamar Jackson eight, Matt Ryan is at nine, and then Baker's at 10, followed by immediately Matt Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Justin Herbert, who I know people are very high on. Are you kind of at the thought of, you've seen three years of Baker, Bree, you've seen him uh, surprise folks his rookie year, not surprise necessarily, but I think overcomes probably the better word. Overcome some obstacles, have a pretty good rookie year, 2019 full of expectations, falls down on his face. I think he would be the first to admit he didn't prepare as he needed to prepare and didn't perform as he is customarily performed. And then last year was kind of like all of it, right? Where he starts out slow, doesn't necessarily seem like he's going to thrive in this offense and then catch extreme fire the last two-thirds of the year. Do you think 10 is probably right for him, or do you think he should be a little higher, a little lower? Where are you at?
2: I think it's probably fair at this point in time. I'm not mad about it. I have been a staunch Baker supporter over the last couple of years. I would say, and I'm sure you're probably someone that has the same opinion, and I know you broke down the film extensively in 2019, but I don't think 2019 is fair. A fair Mm -hmm. assessment of Baker Mayfield, just based on uh, what he was kind of thrown into the bad offensive line play um, the offense that just did not look like it was what it should have been. And then obviously the coaching staff that was just hell. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think this is fair coming off of last year Um, You know, as you mentioned, Baker turned it on towards that back half of the year, and I hope that we just see a continuation of that and building from what happened in 2020. I think he could probably end up going higher in the rankings. I mean, Matt Ryan being above him bothered me quite a bit. Um, (laughs) And when you look at the list ahead of him outside of that, really, they're all quarterbacks that have had some sort of consistency or are veterans within the league. So, to me, Baker Mayfield with what he's been through in his young career thus far, I'm okay with 10 knowing that there's an upside to go even get even higher in that ranking. So, I'm I'm comfortable.
0: Yeah, Brad Ward in the comments there had mentioned too kind of Matt Ryan and Stafford probably being switched. I I probably agree with that. I don't I don't love the idea of Matt Ryan out in front of him. I don't think Matt Ryan plays as a as, uh, as consistent a brand of football as but he doesn't have the skill set anymore. I think Matt is is faded, deteriorated a little bit.
2: <laughs> it's bizarre. It's
0: a, it's an interesting. One. I I think I understand where they're coming from because they think he's going to be surrounded by ridiculous weapons and yep. Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones and and all of that. And I understand. I completely understand. Matt Stafford I think is probably more proven, more consistent than both of them. I'm kind of checking the list here. The thing that's interesting to me is Lamar and Josh Allen out in front of him from his draft class and. You know Lamar has an MVP season. Year two Mm -hmm. comes back down to earth a little bit. Last year, Josh Allen finally, just last year, ascends to uh, the level at which you know people have kind of labeled him as elite. And I think he had a really good season, Mm -hmm. but but it took him it took him three years to get there. I guess what I'm getting at is like, do you think he has the ability within this structure, scheme, uh, scope of his career in year four to overtake both of those guys, or do you think he's going to be I mean, I know we're probably going to say yes to that, but is but is it genuinely realistic for you to like? You, Lamar's won an MVP. It's not. It's not. Yep. You know, they only give one of those awards every year, so it's like, do you think he still ends up being kind of behind Lamar, or do you think he has a level to jump up where he's not labeled a game manager and and is truly in the top five, six, seven quarterbacks in the league? Do you think that? I guess what my question is, I'm kind of struggling there, and I'm walking around the point. Do you think he has the ability to change games? Because you can win with quarterbacks or you can win because of quarterbacks. Do you think he's a because of type of guy?
2: Listen, I don't look at Josh Allen. I know he had a great year last year. He improved when it came to accuracy. He was also surrounded by talents. He had the benefit of having that consistency that Baker had, has just never gotten. I think he mm-hmm. can 100% surpass him. Um, I know people look at Baker Mayfield and they're like, he's not athletic. He can't run the ball. He's he's not a threat when it comes to being a dual threat in that sense. But I actually think that is underestimating Baker what I think we saw the improvement on last year was just getting comfortable in the offense and using his head and his mind. It didn't, he didn't need to be robotic. Um, And that was one thing that it felt like he was just so unsure of himself in 2019. So I think the more he's getting into this playbook and trusting, Um, what he's seeing, trusting the players around him, trusting Kevin Stefanski and AVP in the offense, Mm -hmm. I think he has huge potential to kind of shut down that narrative of he's just a game manager. I think we 100% can rely on Baker Mayfield to win a football game because of him, not because of anyone else. Um, Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's dynamic. There's no denying that at all. Um, clearly we saw this last year where he left the game against the Browns on that, that month was that was, that was Monday night football. I don't even remember what day that was. was. Yeah. Monday night football. I mean, that was an incredible game and obviously he won that game. The Browns Mm -hmm. obviously could not stop Lamar Jackson. I think as teams start to figure out how to slow him down, I guess is maybe a better word than stopping him. You may not be able to ever stop Lamar Jackson, but if you can slow him down, um, I think again, like Lamar could be in trouble. Uh, teams can start to figure him out. I don't know what his longevity is like in the NFL, to be honest. So I think it's, Baker, to answer your question, that was a long-winded answer, but, uh, to answer that, yes, I think Baker Mifo has the ability to surpass both of them.
0: It's, that's the thing he has to prove. I think you can definitely look at Baker and say, he's a guy we can win with. You know, he's a guy who can play well enough within what we ask him to do, to win with him because we uh, put him in good situations or we run the football really well, or we play great defense because they've obviously strengthened that side of the football. But what you ultimately need Baker to get to, and I think he can too, not sitting here saying he will, but I think he can uh, get to the point that you can, you can let important players go uh, similar to what we've seen. Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, those Mm -hmm. guys deal with good players go, but still ultimately find a way to produce. So that's what he has to prove. Now, the thing I, I find solace in is I thought about middle of the way through last year, whether it was organic or not, I thought there was a decision made within the walls of Berea to test Baker Mayfield. Like We are going to put more and more and more on his plate and see if he can handle this. If he can't, he proves to us that he's not our guy. Then we can cut bait quicker than we normally would mm-hmm. and and move on but i thought he responded extremely well to less play action yep. less schemed open throws from middle of the year on and really him being the focal point of the offense and him making decisions that impacted the success of drives it's i haven't put that into quantifiable research yet i will at some point in this next 3 months with i'm going to do like a week long study of baker but that's just that's what i walked away with at the end of last mm-hmm. year was they wanted to test him They tested him, and I thought he responded pretty well. So as he finally now gets a second year with the same coach, head coach, play caller, everything around him, what does that look like for him? Because that's the thing that everyone says about Josh Allen, right, Bree? which is he's had the same OC. He's had most of the same personnel around him. They added Stephon Diggs and some other things. But that's the huge thing was look at Josh Allen because of the consistency around him. Maybe the talent hasn't been as great around him as Bakers has but he's had consistency around him, and and that matters. And I think we finally get to see that. Now, that's why I have not personally been, we have to go sign Baker. We have to go make this extension. Because I think I think Cleveland wants to extend him. I think Baker wants to be extended. But both sides know the benefit of waiting. If ba- the, the Browns have to weigh it truly from a risk-reward. We need to see more of this second half of last year from you. We need yeah. to see that. And if we see something completely opposite, we don't want to be tied to a contract with it's it's a sinking ship situation. So they're patient. They also know the flip side of that, which is what Baker's banking on, right? Which is, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill it this year, and I'm gonna yeah. make you guys pay me a lot of money. And again, I go back to the people that keep keep saying that, you know, we're gonna have to pay him so. If we end up having to pay him so much money, it's because he's really he's good, good, and <laughs> no one gives a shit at that point. So <laughs> right. like. He's really good, and he's proven that he's really good, so nobody will care. So, uh, yeah, I think 10 is probably the, the perfect spot. If you get top 10 quarterback play from Baker this year with the talent we see them bringing in over the last two years, it's it's why I think they can be a, a genuine Super Bowl contender. So I'm excited about that. Let's talk running backs now.
2: I have a question for you, and this kind of probably yeah. ties into what we're <laughs> going to talk about with running backs. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things that I have thought a lot about is – Obviously, the defense getting a much needed makeover this offseason. And hopefully that all comes to fruition as they get on the field going into this season. But obviously, Mm -hmm. last year, the defense struggled, especially down the stretch. You know, every game that we were in, it felt like it was a high scoring game outside of the weird weather games. But from a quarterback offensive perspective, you know, is that something that. Baker going into this year there's a little bit more of a comfort level where something doesn't execute there's a blown play maybe he throws an interception hopefully that doesn't happen but (laughs) throws an interception turnovers happen um that he feels comfortable with his defense knowing that hey my defense is going to make a stop we're going to get the ball back I can brush that off move on I feel like last year Mm -hmm. there was a lot of pressure on the offense to have to constantly and continuously score when they have the ball. And I understand that is the goal of every single drive. However, you can't build your team or your offense around that mindset of, in order to win this game, we have to literally score every single time we have the ball. Do you think that has any type of impact on Baker or quarterbacks just in general?
0: Sure. I mean, you know, the Browns were were pretty lucky to not be put in many of those situations last year. And that's a credit to Kevin and the offensive staff for finding ways to get out in front early. And a a little bit of a credit to the Browns defense too, which although they were pretty anemic, created a bunch of turnovers to help mitigate some of those issues, right? Like they couldn't get off the field on third down, but they were creating enough turnovers or early stops. And the Tennessee game is a great example where they, they created a turnover on downs. They created a forced fumble from Derrick Henry. All of a yep. sudden, the Browns offense is 28-0, and it's a different game. So that doesn't necessarily – if you brought back the same defense from last year to this year, that doesn't necessarily like, – turnovers are not a guarantee year to year. There's yep. just no solid data evidence behind that. They're, they're, they're pretty variants, uh, pretty big variants there. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, as a quarterback, you know, if you know that you have to score – if you have 10 drives a game and you know you have to score on five of them or whatever to have a genuine shot to win, it completely changes the scope of the way you think about risk-taking, right? Like, okay, it's third and eight here. We're at the 40. I probably don't – I don't need to force this because if we punt and pen them back, we'll have a good chance of getting the football back. But if in your mind – and it's (laughs) it's funny. This is the thing I talked about with Odell Beckham, which is the Baker, like the back of his mind thing where he thinks – I'm not doing this baker odell thing again. I'm really not. I swear. It's so it's so convoluted. <laughs> it's but it is like a thing in the back of your mind where as a quarterback if you know you have to score so many points to win games, it changes the way you look at risk taking. So, if you know that hey, I can lean on our defense a little bit here and we'll be okay, maybe I don't throw this timing yard timing route against cover 2 that I maybe would rip otherwise, you know? Uh there was a situation um This is tough because I wasn't prepared for this question. It's a great question. I think it was the Eagles game where he hit on a third and long. He hit Rashard Higgins on a rollout to his right on a third and, like, 12 for 14 or 15 yards where I was like, that was an extremely dicey throw that he put in, like, a shoebox size of a place he could put it where they knew they had to score in, in like – that's a situation where in your mind, maybe in, in next year when you're playing in these, it's inevitable, they're going to play in those windy, rainy games. Maybe he doesn't make that risky throw and maybe something, you know, instead of the coin flip, which the coin flip worked out in their favor, it doesn't, to the contrary, end up being an interception. So I don't, I don't know if it's like a crazy thing that, that they'll talk. It may not even be a thing they talk about, but it is as a quarterback, a nice thing to know. We can win a seventeen to fourteen game. Like we can win this game, ugly fashion, because you are going to play. I know there were three games back to back to back there where the weather was unbelievably terrible, uh, but they're going to run into that every year until they put a dome over Cleveland. That's just going to be a thing. So, (laughs) yeah, and and, in the general big picture stuff too, which is you know you got to cut down on you got to cut down on as many turnovers as possible. I think that's what they a big thing. Kevin Stefanski talking about Baker had twenty. One, interceptions year two, Jeez. and that was like the huge focal point, right? Like we cannot give the other team the football. And he did a great job of cutting down on it. Yep. We want to continue to balance what makes him so good and what we liked about him, what we love about him still, is his is passion for aggression. He really wants to drive the football into places that maybe the football shouldn't be thrown into. But as he grows, matures, keeps getting more comfortable in the league and understanding the speed of the game around him, can he, can he kind of find perfection in that window, right? Because, or, or sorry, that ratio, because that's what the good ones, Drew Brees, guys like him that don't rely on running for success. Just yep. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, those of the world, those, those guys have a great feel for the risk-reward part of the game. So you want Baker to ultimately get there because he, like I said, he won't be Deshaun, he won't be Pat, he won't be those guys like Lamar too. And Josh Allen to a larger extent. Those guys are great athletes. Baker's an okay athlete. Not a great athlete. He has to rely on his arm, uh, ultimately his arm and his brains, to be what take him through twenty years in the NFL. That's what he's got to understand. I think he does. I think he's learning that. But that's a process. That comes with you no. Know, that comes with having your uh, your your Sean McVay or your um, who's the Saints coach? God, I'm blanking. Champagne. Uh, Sean Payton, that's why they pay you the big bucks. Yes, they do not. so the Sean Sean Payton, you 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 need that relationship. You need Josh McDaniels as your OC mm-hmm. for ten years. Like that stuff is is you don't see just constant turnover in that regard. Like like Brett Favre with Holmgren. Like that's the stu- you need the relationship thing. And yep. Baker and Stefanski and AVP are hopefully like Pete Carmichael. I can rem- I can remember Pete Carmichael, but I can't remember. Sean Payton, it's amazing for, for what <laughs> you know for what Drew Brees was right like that. They is <laughs> so weird. That's that's the thing that he needs. He needs consistency around him, and when he finds the consistency around him, uh, he has a chance to take off. So that's that's the most optimistic outlook is like wow, they actually have those people around him, and now you could see him taking those steps because he knows the offense so well, he knows it like the back of his hand that's the stuff. Like he doesn't have the skill set of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is just a far more gifted thrower of the football. Yep. Aaron can handle turnover, he can handle a terrible coach like um you know like he's McCarthy. dealt with before before <laughs> before. Yes, McCarthy, you're helping me big time right now. Um you know he can handle the McCarthy years because he's so gifted. Uh, Baker is good. He's 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 good enough, but he's not overcome tons of terrible things around him for a long period of time. He needs those things to be good, and that's nothing against him. Yeah. You, can, you can then launch him to a whole new level, and that is what the biggest thing the Browns need to pat on the back for, is they finally put everything around him yep. in the way that they should. So that part of it's exciting. And putting talent around him takes us to our second topic, which is the, the running back rankings. Uh, Nick Chubb's fourth. Uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry are in front of him. I get a little bit biased here. I think Nick Chubb's the most gifted oh, runner in the NFL, gosh. like I would put him first. I understand that the guys in front of him do a little bit more in the passing game. Yep, not, that That's not miss me from that regard. Actually, Derrick Henry doesn't do much in the passing game. Yeah, that, one,
2: that, that bothers me a little bit. I understand Derrick Henry, like he's yeah. a beast. But the Browns made him irrelevant when we played him. I don't know it's if tough. any team has made Nick Chubb irrelevant when we played.
0: Yeah, it's it's few and far between. It, I mean, like, it, it, like unless the Browns fall behind quickly. Something happens Correct. and they fall yeah. behind quickly, and they're trying to scratch. from. I, I mean, Derrick Henry's phenomenal. I think Derrick Henry, if you gave Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, singular there, if, if you gave Nick Chubb the volume that Derrick Henry receives, yep. I think he would do as well, if not better. Now, part of what Derrick Henry's... Uh, the lore is for him being number one is that he has proven he can handle that volume right yep. and and, yep. and produce like we're kind of projecting that Nick could if Nick, if Nick received that you know if he received that he would be better well we haven't seen it and I think a big part of the Browns plan is they have this guy who ranks 10th as well I mean mm-hmm. two running backs inside the top 10 in the NFL for next year projection wise it's pretty crazy I mean you have Kareem in front of Ezekiel Elliott Joe Mixon, guys that are going to get a bulk of their carries. Jo, you know, Jonathan Taylor had a fantastic rookie season. Uh, the list goes on and on. He's going to be the secondary guy. So I, I think I'm okay with Nick being fourth. He's ahead of Alvin Kamara. He's ahead of Saquon. Mm-hmm. He's ahead of Aaron Jones, um, Josh Jacobs. I. It's an embarrassment of riches. I think four and ten are okay there. I do think if Nick got the, the sheer volume that Derek does in that role, that would be... I don't think there would be a debate. I think Nick is that gifted. I, I think Derek is physically gifted. I think yes. Nick is also physically gifted, but mentally gifted in a way that I don't think many people understand. So if he got that, if he got that volume to me, he would take off with it. But the big part of this is, Brian. I'll kind of throw it to you here. I think they're going to resign him to some sort of contract that puts him into 27, 28, 29 ish, maybe in Cleveland in a, big part of that for them is that we didn't crush him the last three years we gave him a manageable workload do you kind of see it the same
1: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
2: Yeah, I like that because honestly, you know, as you said, it's an embarrassment of riches right now because you have the number four and number 10 going into this season. I mean, no other team can say that. Um, And we don't know how long Kareem is going to be outside of this year, right? Like Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. may be a 2021 thing and Chubb could be the future, which is fine. I'm totally fine with that. I mean, obviously Nick Chubb is beloved. I think he could have an even bigger role on this team. But when you have another guy like Kareem Hunt, And you have that one, two punch. I'm excited to see them on the field back together again. And this is something else I wanted to ask you. Do you feel like we actually got the Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt experience in terms of what we saw from an offensive perspective last year? Because the one thing that I feel like I expected more of that we didn't quite see was the two running back tandem on the field at the same time. Um, I would like to think, and I could be making this up, I would like to think there's still a lot more that's going to be revealed in the offense as we head into this season. That's my dream. I think about those two together on the field at the same time more than I probably should.
0: It would be nice. I mean, the goal ultimately is to put your best 11 on the field at any one time. That There's no doubt. And I think, I think we got a tease of that in the Buffalo game in 19 where they both spent time on the field and yep. Kareem was a willing blocker. Uh, and I'm sure Nick would, would be a willing blocker all the same if he had opportunities to do that for Kareem. It's tough. It's tough in the modern NFL because what you have to ask yourself is this. If we put Kareem in the slot, is he better suited to be there than Richard Higgins? I know. Is he better suited to be there than David Njoku as a number two tight end? Yeah. That's where it gets to be challenging. So I think they could be creative. I think there's ways mm-hmm. that they could make it work. I think there's... There's levels of deception uh, that you can embed with those two quick screens, uh, some of the quick handoff, jet action, fly action, sweep stuff. It could be done. I would be a little bit surprised if they do. I, I guess is what I'm thinking. Like, I, if they put them on the field for, I don't know, 75, 100 snaps together next year, I would be, I would be pretty blown away. It's just, I think that that stuff is so much easier to do at the college and high school level because those two athletes are probably your two best football players, period. Yes. And while I kind of understand that you could say that Kareem and Nick are your two best uh, offensive players, again, you have to evaluate if you're putting one of them outside of the backfield, which you know you don't want to have a ton of guys in the backfield in the NFL. It just doesn't work out well anymore. Uh, if, you, if you put one of them at the wide receiver or one of them in a the tight wing, is that guy better than the people we talked about? Yeah, you could probably make that case. Right. But I don't know that I would want that. So if you find ways to split carries with them and put them in schemes that are advantageous for their skill set, which I think they did last year, then um, I'm probably OK with it. But I, listen, if they came out in week one next year and they're both on the field 25 times, it probably means they're doing OK, right? Like they're probably running the football really well.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, though, it's tough because we have so many offensive weapons Mm -hmm. at every position, wide receiver, tight end, running back. Um, It it is tough because there's so many different options that the Browns can throw at a defense. I guess that's what makes it exciting for me. And I I felt like we saw that bananas play quite a bit from Kevin Stefanski last year, almost to a point where Kansas City knew what we were running. Um, and so that's why I was thinking like, there's gotta be more from him or like things that they can build off that they were doing last year that, that they haven't even tapped into quite yet. So I don't know. I'm excited because I do feel like, and even, even the talent that we've added from a draft perspective, you know, I don't know who's going to see the field, who's going to make the team, who's going to be on the roster, but I think there's some exciting things that we could see this year that we didn't quite get to see last year.
0: I think that's extremely fair. Um, I, I, like I said, there's not a great um, comparison for this in the rest of the NFL. I mean, the Browns have by far, in my opinion, the best running back tandem in the NFL. So if a team was going to be like, look at what this this, this team is doing from a two running back on the field perspective, which is really not something we ever see, it would be Cleveland who creates this way to do it. Uh, there are many ways they could do it. I, I, I'm i not going to sit here and pretend that I know better than Kevin Stefanski or ABP about how to do it. There are ways. We have seen split back sets work somewhat before. Uh, but but again, like they're going to off- ultimately ask themselves that question. Is having Kareem lead block for Nick better than Andy Janovich? Yeah. That's what they have to decide. Like, Are those things worth it? So um, while I could see them doing it, maybe taking one of them, motioning Kareem into a situation where he has a linebacker covering him in the slot, yeah, that could work. Uh, but but there's some of those wrinkles they need to work out, going from heavy sets to, uh, you know, a situation which puts the defense in a base defense, keeps more linebackers on the field. And we feel like if we put uh, Kareem in motion here, it puts him against a Sam linebacker in space, and we like that matchup. So I do think there's something there, but I wouldn't, just me personally, I wouldn't bank on Their expansion offensively revolving around those two on the field at the same time, but there is, there totally is in my opinion, a different element to this offense coming. They know they have to. You listen to any Stefanski interview, and he talks about the need to evolve Evolve. offensively, yeah, all the time. He talks about it all the time, and I think there was some evolution between his 2019 Minnesota team, what he did at the start of 2020, self scouting at the bye. A huge part of coaching is self-scouting. What are we doing? What are our tendencies when we get in this look? What do we tend to do? Tell me what we do that defensive coordinators see so that I can combat that. It's a huge thing. And I thought they were really different the last half of the year. They did not run nearly as many wide-action bootlegs. They changed the course of kind of – they were in the gun a lot. They did a bunch of different things. And Baker talked about it too, about how when they came out of the bye, they got a chance to talk about what he's comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And there was a different offense there. So – when we look at this thing four weeks into 2021, there's definitely a chance we could all be talking about, man, this looks a little different than what we're accustomed to. And that's what you want. You need it to be different in a way that fits who you are, who's your identity, fit it, but also find ways to keep it fresh yeah. and keep defenses on their toes. Yep. So I, I think you're 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 right there from a this should look different perspective. They, there's a level to this they can unlock but it's the how they get there that draws my attention the most because it could be with two running backs or it could be a ton more 11 personnel than we've seen them use. It could be any number of things. They have three tight ends. They may use less 13 and they may go more 11. They may increase 12. We'll look at this again. Like we'll look at it five weeks in and compare it to last year and we'll probably see some differences. So uh, a lot of it, you know, ultimately comes down to these wide receivers talking about the wide receiver rankings. Odell checks in this year at 18 coming off of, in ACL, which yep. I'm just going to remind everybody that the data for guys, his age, 28, 29, is a violent cutter. He, he, he is. And this is a compliment. He, he cuts the way he creates separation is through violent cuts and his violent cutting ultimately puts a ton of stress on his knees and his joints and his ankles. And he, I need to see him come back and look like the guy we all know the data again is not great for guys coming back, after this injury so we'll see he's 18th on their list Jarvis is 21st you don't typically see teams with two guys on here so they like them but the ceiling for these guys is probably not as high as we want to admit because Odell's coming back from such a major injury and I think Jarvis we've all we all love Jarvis we know the basement of Jarvis is really good But there's probably not like a 1,400-yard, 12-touchdown player there. He just is not athletically gifted enough. He does a ton of other things really well. I am not the get-rid-of-Jarvis person. I'm not that (laughs) guy. So take that somewhere else. I think he has value here, but you have to understand that he's not going to have uh, a, a DeAndre Hopkins type of season. Like That's just not in there for him. But there is a productive player that they've gotten out of. So I guess my question, kind of piggybacking off the other two is, does that kind of feel right? Like wide receivers, other guys around this area, 15 is DK Metcalf, 16 is Keenan Allen, 17 is run TMC there, Terry McLaurin, and Washington, 19 in between Odell and and and, and Jarvis is 19 and 20 is Kenny Galladay and Corey Davis, and then right after Jarvis is Tyler Lockett, Cole Beasley, and then they still have 24th is Antonio Brown. So, um, mm, interesting. um yeah, I mean, does that feel right to you, or do you think the ceiling's higher and I should shut up a little bit?
2: I'm going to tell you to shut up a little bit, and here's it why, is. Jake. I, I, okay, well, first of all, I have to just say I'm a huge OBJ stan, and I think, unfortunately for him, the injury, that is the something that's going to be hanging over his head because he may not mm-hmm. come back to being the same guy. However, I am the most disappointed that we didn't get to see him on the field at the same time when Baker was kind of hitting his stride, and I think both of them together have been criticized probably unfairly with Mm -hmm. is one of them better without the other right that's the age-old debate on cleveland brown's twitter actually nationally as well um that we see all of these numbers of baker's numbers are better without odell and he's a better quarterback without he doesn't need blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. i actually feel the opposite i actually think that Had Odell been on the field towards the back half of the season with Baker, I actually think they would have started hitting their stride together and Odell would have probably had a pretty productive season. I also think that with Odell's injury happening when it did, I think that did limit some of the playbook because you had guys stepping in. Obviously Higgins stepped up in a major way. Donovan's people, Jones, the rookie stepped up in a major way, Mm -hmm. but I don't think those guys were supposed to be playing the role of Odell Beckham. Sure. They did a great job, an amazing job. Daryl Hodge was another one um, when he wasn't injured. We had some great wide receiver play, but you just didn't have that same effect of having the respect of having OBJ on the field at the same time. Also, not to mention, OBJ is a really strong blocker. Mm -hmm. And, And for as much criticism as he gets for being a diva, if you watch him play football, not just on the routes he's running to catch a pass, he blocks his ass off. And that is one thing that I don't think he gets enough credit for. He is a really hard worker. So I think that there is a possibility of OBJ coming back even stronger and even better, and with Baker Mayfield also improving and a potentially hitting, kind of going up the hill on, on getting to his peak, the two of them together I think could be really special this year, and I really hope that pans out.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I mean, we all – we all would love to see Odell thrive. Like I just want to see him happy. Like that was <laughs> Do the thing. We my level, wife does. <laughs> Brandon
2: Carter really want to see him. I feel like they want I, to I see hope, him just fail. <laughs> I uh,
0: that was you know ironically, this this is the first thing my wife and I talked about when he got hurt. Was not man the Brown season is derailed. What's it was like? It just really sucks for him. It just sucks for him. Like, I just want him to be happy.
2: Yes. And
0: he, it's like, yeah, like it just, it was the first thing we talked about. Like, man, I hope he doesn't slip into a dark place because he wants to win so badly and he cares a lot. I think that that that's a bad rap that he gets is like, he cares a lot and. He he just wants to win. Like he just, I think everywhere he's been, and it's I guess it's only been New York and Cleveland, but like people try to blame him yes. for things that he can't control. Like my point on the Baker Odell thing was never like it was never Odell's fault, and it right. was ultimately never Baker's fault either. It just sometimes you get guys it together Freddie and it's just yeah yes, <laughs> Freddie's far gone. Blame it on him. I, I just thought that there's sometimes where things don't mesh. Like, you watch NBA, this stuff happens all the time. Where just you're like, these guys should be really good together, but they're just not. And it's not anybody's fault. It doesn't mean Odell sucks. It doesn't mean Baker sucks. It just means that when we have seen them together, they just haven't been good together. And that's again, it's like what what's what's the same. It's not you, it's me kind of thing. Like, it's just it's nobody's fault it's just it just hasn't clicked now you make a great point and that's something jake trotter has said to me too which is we saw a fully evolved baker the last two-thirds of the season and we didn't get to see odell involved with that saying that odell being injured brought that out is 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 really conjecture because we don't know that we really don't and it's kind of conjecture too to also say that odell would be better because we we'll, do put it this way this year is so wildly important for those two figuring it out together because if they don't figure it out it's over they're going to move on from odell uh if they do figure it out then they're going to stick those guys together for a little bit so this is a this is a two pass divided sort of situation for him this year and 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 i think that i just hope he comes back healthy you know the big thing with him is is he's such a famous person like I just, the first time he was interviewed in Cleveland, I was up there and and I was like, he's not big. He's way smaller than you think he is. He is not, he is not big at all. But the way he lights up a room, it's like that guy is like, that's different. We we've seen miles. We've seen Baker. yeah, We've seen those guys, but the the way this guy lights up a room and raises the, the temperature of the room, it's like, that's different. And he is different. He's different on every level. Um, and, and that different feeling leads people to think that he is a, a, like you said, diva prima donna type. I have never received that vibe. No. From him. I think he's no. a team guy who wants to win, who gets really upset when teams don't win. And he is not an active part of the process to either get them to winning or losing when he's ignored, he gets really frustrated as he should. He should want the football all the time. He's really right. good. So I just, I hope it works. I hope it works because I want to see him be a part of an 11 win team. I want to see him get to the playoffs. And when he's happy and he's like smiling all the time, like it really does light up the people around him. And he is an infectious personality. I'm talking about him like I know him. I don't know him, obviously, but I'm just, from what I've seen from being up close to the situation, I just see a guy that if he's right and he's producing, like he can raise. level of your football team so i hope it works out for him i really do i really do
2: i want another obj against dallas game like i think there's plenty of more of that that could come this year and i
0: think stefanski has alluded to the fact they're banking on that he's running well i do need to see some video of him cutting ultimately i've said the word ultimately 72 times i apologize (laughs) to everybody (laughs) is anyone you need (laughs) i i mentally have now kept track which probably tells you that it's a problem. Um. I need to see him cut because he can run straight line. He looks good, but what an ACL is is doing is keeping your knee intact when you do those hard cuts. And I need to see him do that. So uh, I, I think it's, once I see that it's green light. And and if there's a guy who can defeat the data, defeat yep uh, the, the tough data about ACLs at that position at this age, it's him, because I think he's a very gifted athlete and, and we're pulling for him. So uh, that's it. That's all we have. We have 35, whoa, it's almost 40 minutes of chatter now, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I hope we can get Bree back on at some point during the off season, maybe leading up to the season. She's busy. She's got a lot of priorities. Uh, but this was fun, Bree. Thanks for Thanks taking time. Thanks for having
2: time. me on. Thanks, Jake.
0: Of course. Of course, guys. Check us out uh, throughout the week. We'll have a couple more podcasts to post, uh, and we'll be over at the OBR where you can get uh, first month, $1. It's all costs. Join us. Support some journalism. And make sure you're subscribing to That's What B Said. And give Bree a follow on Twitter at Breezy Clee. She's worth the time. We appreciate you all for joining us. Until we, uh, until we chat next time, go Browns.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working.